It's okay that I don't have a partner, a husband, a nine to five job. You don't have to live that life unless you want to. And I think it's super hard for people to realize like you can say no to that. And it might be tricky for other people to understand, but if it's really in your essence of what you're supposed to do, you'll be able to share the importance of it to others that they'll either accept it or you might need to move on from them, which is a, always a hard thing to grasp and think about that people in your life have been in your life forever might not be in your life forever. Hello, this is Pam December, and this is the Mad for Purple podcast, your place for all things spirituality, self-actualization, healing, and human design. Keep listening to receive wisdom, tips, and tools as we journey into higher consciousness together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode from Mad for Purple. Today, I'll be talking with Heather Webster. Heather is a 4-6 generator with the right angle cross of service to and artificial shores environment, which I think you'll really hear come out as she talks about nature and the joy of observing it. She is an educator, a health coach, a mindful outdoor guide, and a lifelong learner. She supports women as a nature-based insight coach to live a fulfilling, healthy, radiant life that aligns with their purpose. Heather uses a holistic journey approach to look at the individual as a whole so women can find radical self-love, self-confidence, and a stronger connection to their spirit and self to reach their wildest dreams and find joy in every day. Heather is also the host of the Saved by Mother Earth podcast. Hello, Heather, and welcome to the show. So happy to have you here today. Thank you, Pam. It's great to be here and to be able to share with you and your audience. Yes, excited to hear your story. So how I like to start off each episode is just asking when and how did your spiritual journey begin? And because you were so outdoors oriented, has that always been a part of it? Yes. So it's interesting because I grew up outside. It was the joke that a lot of people say, like, you come in when the lights turned on. We didn't have lights on our street, but that's kind of like the joke. It was like once it got to a certain darkness during the day, you just came in and you were inside. Or we were out in our tents (laughs) out in the backyard with our friends and things like that. So I was always outside. But I didn't look at it as spiritual when I was young. It was just like, that's what I did. If I was having a tough time, I would go outside, climb a tree. There was this one pine tree in the woods behind my house that I just related to so much that I would often bring, like if it was snack time, I would just bring my snack outside and climb the tree, coming back covered in like sap and things like that. And I just would spend so much time up in that tree. And then later on, like when I became a teenager, it was right when phones went from corded to you could get a cordless phone. And then I was like, oh, instead of the tree way back in the back of the woods, it was the tree closer to my house so I could talk on the phone and climb in that tree. And we used to catch frogs and all that kind of stuff and we'd hike and bike ride. So we were always an outdoor family. My parents liked to garden. And so it was always a part of kind of who we were. But my spiritual journey really started, I think, 
well, spiritual journeys are always going, I guess. But when I really started to kind of realize it was a spiritual journey was around 2019. So not too long ago. And it was one of those things where all of a sudden I was going through a harder time. So they always say like, before you have like this awakening, you have this darker time, right? And so that's kind of what happened is I was going through a lot of changes. I had moved from my home state and moved up here to New Hampshire. And I started to like, get into this like reflection mode where it was just feeling like, wait, did I fail at everything? Like I left that last job. Did I fail at that job? I had foster kids and I moved, but I was always fostering to foster, but I still felt like I failed them, even though they were going on to a home that they were going to be adopted to. And some more of the stuff around my divorce came up, but that was years before. And it was just during that time where I realized there's something, a bigger plan happening here. And I went back to school for health coaching. I went back to school more in 2020, become a mindful outdoor guide. And it's also the same time when I started to be exploring more out in nature in a more mindful way. Because I was driving up here to New Hampshire on a regular basis to hike in the mountains, but it was like, I want to get to that summit. I want to cross off that one of 48, 4,000 footers or two of four, right? So you're crossing off the list, but it became all of a sudden I was hiking and walking for insights and intuition and less for destination. And that's kind of where things have kind of grown and developed. And now I'm doing it for my job and what what my business, which is amazing as a nature-based insight coach. I love that so much because so much of society and that it is check the boxes and whether it's married, the white picket fence, all these things, right? Or advancing the corporate ladder and then switching that to mindfulness and just being on the journey. I love that. Right. It's amazing how much you realize as you get older, how society tells you how you're supposed to live your life. And then you hit a certain point where you're just like, actually, no, I can live this life how I want to live it. And okay, I did that for a while. It didn't work for me. And it's okay that I don't have a partner, a husband, a nine to five job. You don't have to live that life unless you want to. And I think it's super hard for people to realize like you can say no to that. And it might be tricky for others other people to understand, but if it's really in your essence of what you're supposed to do, you'll be able to share the importance of it to others that they'll either accept it or you might need to move on from them, which is always a hard thing to grasp and think about that people in your life that have been in your life forever might not be in your life forever. Yeah. And I find that one of the things with this spiritual journey is a lot of that falling away of what we thought we were or who we thought we should be around and why it can end up being like a very solitary journey. And so I'm so grateful for the online communities that (laughs) I've found to be able to connect in when the timing feels right. Yes. Yes. And that's how I feel about the podcasting group that we've gotten to get to know is just all of a sudden, I feel like I'm finding this tribe across the world of people that like get me and understand kind of who I am and where I'm going with my life. So when I say something that sounds crazy to people like local, they're just like, oh, that sounds so cool. Let me know what happens and keep me posted on what happens next for you, which is so powerful to be like, oh, you know what? There are people out there that don't think this is crazy or different or woo woo, that they just accept it and they want to be on that journey too. 
Oh, exactly, exactly. And for listeners that don't know what the podcast group is that we're talking about, we are in Kathy Heller's Your Turn to Podcast cohort. And with that, we have built a community of other podcasters. So just looping you in on that. (laughs) Yes, it changed my life. It's weird to think like podcasting or something like that could change your life. But I really do feel like it gave me this acceptance of who I wanted to become and be because the people I'm interviewing or being part of their podcasts are completely accepting. And now I'm not saying to the listeners, go out and join a podcasting class, but it's like, this was a passion of mine. It's something I really loved and enjoyed listening to for so long and wanted to do a podcast. And so I was going towards that dream. And I think when people go towards their dream, I've been saying a lot recently on my social and to clients that if your dream, if you can dream it, it's your reality to get because my dreams are different than your dreams, right? And so those dreams are set there for you to reach them. And they might just feel like they're not something you can reach right now, but it's possible for you to reach them. And I think that's very different from what we're raised to think of. That's just a dream. You can't get that. Oh, why would you want to do that? And now my mindset is very much on if I can dream it. It's like the, um, if you build it, they will come. That same type of thing, right? If you dream it, it can happen. One of the Oracle cards I pulled this morning was about the possibilities and how you have to bring together the pieces and then you'll get the outcome, right? You can't just dream and say, this is what I want. It's just going to appear. That sometimes happens, but you don't realize all those little pieces you put together to make it happen. And that's the thing, right? We were raised, dreaming was exactly, it was just a dream. It wasn't something that you could necessarily make a reality unless you did like all this hard work or you won the lottery or something fantastical happens, right? You go into the fairy tales, the Disney, waiting for the prince in shining armor or whatever to come and fulfill all those dreams. We get to choose now. Yeah. And you don't need somebody else to fulfill your dreams. I think too, like for women, I think it's like, you always feel like you're supposed to meet that person that's going to fulfill your need. And that was a big thing for me of always needing to feel like I was loved growing up and being able to accept the fact that was a big part of my spiritual journey that like, I need to love myself. Nobody else can make me feel love if I haven't loved myself first. And this idea that like growing up, I needed to feel like somebody loved me. And so I need to change who I was. And if you think about like a lot of what society says out there, whether you're looking at magazines or movies or anything out there, it's like you search out for love or love comes in and then you feel loved versus this idea of like, you can love yourself and that's going to be so key for self-connection and for you to be able to live the life and the life that you deserve. The universe, whatever the listeners believe in, whether it's God, the universe, spirits, any of that stuff, it wants you to find happiness and joy. And it's sometimes so tricky to believe that when things have been tough and the idea that you can turn that around or have a perspective, even when things are hard, there can be a perspective of gratefulness 
right? Like, yes, my divorce was super duper hard, but how cool was it that I had a relationship with somebody for 11 years and we got to do some really fun things. Now he and I, we parted ways on very nice terms and things were good. And so some people don't part on such great terms, but maybe there's something that you were able to get from that. Maybe if you went through something hard like that, you learned about resiliency or being able to stick up for what you want and go for what you want. It's super powerful when you can change your mindset from what is it that's making me feel bad and living in that to what about this I can find gratitude in. Yeah. And that's tough sometimes, especially when you're in it and Mm. that's okay. You can reflect on it later and get to that point. You don't have to do it right now. And sometimes you have to live in that sadness for a little bit because you have to allow that because you want to feel all the emotions. You don't want to just be in this happy ego because in order to feel true happiness, you have to be able to feel sadness. You have to have felt sadness to understand happiness. Otherwise, it would just be that we're happy all the time. What would that be? Would it really be happiness? Exactly. Because that's a whole nother, yeah, wormhole we could go down. So how do you feel people and women in particular can benefit from nature? So yes, so nature, I find, especially for women, because women have the ability to tap in much easier than men do, just based on hormones and things like that, that you have it easier to be able to tap in. Now, I find, and I know I've talked to others that feel this way too, when you're out in nature, it's much easier to tap in to your intuition insights, even to do some meditation, because you're getting the true essence of like how we are supposed to be. You're tapping into all your five senses. I was talking this morning a little bit about because it's snowing so hard and I got into this like mindset of, oh, I said I was going to do these Oracle card readings outside and I was going to do it every week. I was going to make sure I was outside. And then I finally said, okay, I can bring outside in and I can be okay with that change because you don't have to go out and hike a mountain or go into the forest to get that experience with nature. But there's so much around being present and being able to. So if you're going to bring the outside in, how can you activate your five senses or more if you throw in like intuition and some of those other pieces that people have kind of added onto the lists of senses? I think what I find most powerful about nature, if you're thinking about, I don't know if the listeners are familiar with the chakra system, but this idea of, right, you have grounding at the bottom of your body or like the lower portion of your body and then the root chakra. And then you have intuition and insight is up up at the top, right up near your head, your forehead, you got the third eye, and then you have throat chakra, all of those kind of things. And the interesting thing that I find when I'm out in nature is I feel so grounded, but so connected to my third eye and to intuition and all of that. So I feel completely connected to myself, which is I don't know if there's any other environment in my life where I feel both of those in such a strong way. And then I also know like it it also activates my heart chakra where I'm like, there's a lot of like love and this warm feeling all over of just like, this is where we are from. We are nature. And so if we get back into nature, it just feels natural. 
And one of the interesting things I've been kind of toying with in my mind a lot recently is this idea of we used to be when we were in nature back in the day, right? Nature was more of a place. You watch the birds, you watch animals. They're always on alert. They're not in like sympathetic nervous system, flight or fight mode, but they're on alert, right? And if something happens, then their sympathetic nervous system clicks in and they fly away or run away. And so that's why we have our sympathetic nervous system is to run from tigers and lions or bears or whatever was something that was scary for us. And now as humans that live inside and have the media that we have and have, I think the fear is happening more indoors now. And it's interesting because I know that I haven't been outside a lot when I start, my anxiety starts to boost up a lot. And people are now in that chronic flight or fight mode and they're inside in a safe space or what's supposed to be a safe place. And so what nature does is it's almost like it reverses that to say, okay, now let's activate your parasympathetic nervous system, rest and relax. And even if you see like somebody who runs up a mountain, you see them at the top of the mountain and typically if they're just sitting on a rock, staring off into space. And it's just like they just ran up the mountain, but yet they still needed that. And they get that space at the top where they're like, I just need to breathe and take this all in. But a lot of times I'll just like hug trees or I'll sit with a tree. I have gratitude for the tree. (laughs) (laughs) And like really just be in that moment of this is so powerful and how cool is it that everything that happens out there is why we can live. We couldn't live without fungi. It's true. It's true. But they can live without us, but we can't live without them. And sometimes I think it's so easy for people to look at us as being superior. I, I experienced this too when I used to scuba dive too, like being underwater and how you're entering something else's world and how powerful that is not to be welcomed in in a way, but being part of their world. It's a very spiritual experience because you know you're so vulnerable. And I think that's why being outside is so powerful. And for women, there's so much fear around being alone outside. And so it's something that I'm working on a lot. I'm going to be doing more a lot of YouTube series on that and things like that around safety, but also just talking about how powerful it is and how amazing it can be. Because I used to always hike with people and it got to the point where the negative self-talk was uncontrollable when I hiked with people. Because I was always saying, oh, you're not hiking fast enough. Oh, they're hiking faster. Oh, you're not good enough. Oh, they're thinking that they want to be up at the mountain already, right? All those things that they weren't saying. And I realized like I need to hike by myself to really get into a better space. And that's where I started to see that spiritual shift. It's interesting when you get groups of people together, how that competitiveness comes out and where it comes from doesn't always make sense, right? And So yeah, just being out of everybody else's auras, doing your thing, being present and being open to the, I don't know, like nature, when you think about it, like it's just so awe-inspiring, like how birds and the bees and everything, they go about their lives in this very, well, natural way. And it's just beautiful. And they produce amazing things, right? Here bees are, they're producing honey. Watching the birds fly around and just 
there's so much we can learn by just watching nature and watching it unfold. And so one of the things that I do with clients, but also like myself is a sit spot outside. And it's very interesting because if you sit outside for five minutes, things won't really change much and be as still as you can, eyes open, just watching the world and seeing what kind of movement you can do. Within 10 minutes, you start to see a little bit of a shift, but around 15 or 20 minutes, things start coming back to life. If you're sitting really still and it's really powerful to be, because then again, you're in their space watching the world happen. So you might see things like chipmunks or squirrels starting to collect nuts or something like that for their families to bring back, right? Or birds start to return back. There was one time when I first moved into this home where I just watched the blue jays and how they worked together to make things happen. I have chickens and so they were working together to move the chickens to another area so that they could go back and get food in that space. And it was really interesting because one came in and then left and came back with another one. And those are the things that you don't realize are happening around you. And maybe some people will say, well, they're blue jays. But when you really start pulling it apart and realize just the interconnectedness of everything and how powerful it is that what they do, we can learn from. For any listeners that do get out in nature or don't yet, that will hopefully after this podcast, if you start to see how you feel when you return back and journal that, write down what it is that you feel and then start to see if there's patterns on days that you don't get outside how you're feeling. So what I do sometimes, if I have like a tricky conversation with somebody at my work, I work with families that are in very challenging times with their family. And so there's a lot of anxiety around that and sadness of some of the things that these families are dealing with. And I find the only way I can truly cope with it is to get outside and just be able to breathe for a moment. There's just something about it that just brings you back down, helps ground you. And then my strongest message I've ever gotten are outside, which are so powerful. I know for myself, living in Northern Canada, it's very snowy and it's snowy for like six months of the year or more. I really miss the summer weather where I can just go out on my deck and put my feet on the earth. It is so grounding and nourishing. But now that you've mentioned this sit spot, that is intriguing and I may have to find one for myself. Yes. And it's so cool because if you find one, if you keep going back to the same one daily, if possible, but at least a few times a week, you'll start to see things change that you were like, never realized. Like, and you're just like, wow, you wait, yesterday this happened. And oh, wait, oh, this chipmunk is taking the same path every day. Right. And you're like, wait, this is kind of like human behavior. We're the same way to work every day. What I do for very snowy days is if I'm going to be sitting outside at, as a sit spot, it's always better to be on a natural surface. So not like a plastic chair, but you could do a wooden chair, something that's going to help you ground with that energy to get those ions from the ground. What I do is I do put a little bit of a waterproof fabric that I put down first, and then I bring a blanket out with me. So it's like finding a space for you that's still going to be something that you're comfortable sitting in. And then also bring out a journal. One thing I do sometimes is after I do the sit spot, I'll light a fire. You don't want to do it before because then it's not going to help bring things back. But I have a little solo stick 
stove that I make a little fire in. And then I also bring tea out with me and kind of give gratitude back, write in my journal and really make it a full practice of being out there. And really the way you feel after is better than a full night's sleep because you're just so relaxed and present. So it's powerful. So I definitely encourage it. Do you do snowshoeing out there? No. (laughs) I've had an aversion to winter for a few years now and it's starting to make me sad that I feel that way so it would be beneficial for me to have a mindset shift around winter (laughs) it's it's really tricky and for any listeners out there too if you're having this struggle it is super tricky because I know I've been feeling the same way a little bit of like I just want the snow to go away so I could do that thing but I think a lot of it has to do with what I like I love winter hiking winter hiking is phenomenal especially if you go to trails that have been broken out so you don't need to do the snowshoeing but you can put spikes on and you can really like you feel like a superhero being able to like walk on ice and have it be no big deal my tricky thing is I can't bring my dog out with spikes on my feet because I don't want them to get injured or anything like that. And so I think that's where it does. It gets trickier. The logistics are harder in the winter, but it can be so powerful because the calm. The other cool thing that I love about winter and being outside is it's the one season of the year where you don't need a light. Because the moon hits the snow and lights everything up. So it's a cool time to be outside at night. And the other thing, so fire meditation is a huge thing for me. I love lighting fires and just sitting and watching fires. And I love having a fire on top of snow and like lighting a fire. And it's just like to be in that space where it's cold, but you're surrounded by this warmth from the fire. And like everything's kind of glowing a little bit because the moon is hitting the snow. There's something about that piece. And so there's, again, it's that peacefulness and groundingness and this, you're home when you're outside. I think a lot of society has made it hard for people to actually tap into that. I love what you're saying about the moonlight and things like that's bringing back a memory of a remembrance of being outside at night in the winter and this quality of stillness is so different. And even the, the way the sound is And if you're quiet enough and it's snowing and hearing the snowflakes hit the snow and thank you for bringing that memory back. (laughs) No, I love that. I was doing that last night because I could hear the snow. It was more sleety last night and I could hear it hitting my roof when I was sleeping. And it was just such a cool sound to hear. But yeah, there's something about snow and how the quietness of snow But then when you're in a space where it can hit things like leaves and it can be the most quiet time or the most loud time or the crunching of the snow when you like step on it or like it's so cool when you can walk over it because it's frozen on top. There's so much to it that brings you back to childhood, right? You don't typically see kids that are just except for kids that haven't been exposed so When I used to be an early childhood educator, there were many times where I saw kids that hadn't been exposed to nature much, but they were still in awe of it. And just to watch a child stare at a worm or an ant and watch it do its work, if adults did that, I think there'd be so much less stress. Just take the moment to be like, oh, I wonder what's happening here. Or just sit and watch, even if you don't go outside, if you sit at the window and just watch the snow or the rainfall or watch the full moon rising, there's so many different pieces. It's like its own little amusement park. Just no super fast rides, right? It's just the opposite of fast rides. The slowness and the presence. Yeah. 
So as a mindful outdoor guide, like, is this something where you're actually taking people out to the outdoors or is there ways that you do this online as well? I know you mentioned your YouTube channel. Yes. Great question. So because of the pandemic, I haven't really taken people out. I have done a couple online where I will be at my home and the people that I'm guiding are on their property or somewhere. And I will guide them through like an earbud, which it feels not so right. But at the same time, it's so cool to see that even with that, this is where technology is amazing. It's like, even with them having one earbud in the insights that people have come back with, because we always have a count at the end where we come together and talk about how was that for you? And some people might talk about the animals they saw or the colors of the leaves and others will be talking about like, oh, I got this message to me that said like, I need to do this. Right. And so it's a gamut depending on where people are in their spiritual journey. So right now it's mostly virtual, but my hopes are very soon in the near future, especially like late spring, summer and fall to start doing them in person and kind of traveling to different spaces to do them because it's something powerful being all together in a space where you're all experiencing the outdoors but there's really not much talking going on. And you're in the same space, but you're all experiencing something so very different from the other person and bringing it back together and saying, you have a chance to talk, right? If you want to share, you can. And if you don't, that's okay too, but there's no wrong experience. Having the opportunity to share using our voices and having that space held for us to communicate our experience and not be judged for it and not have to judge ourselves for it. So healing. Yes. And another big part of the mindful outdoor experience is the knowing of the land and really taking time to appreciate the people that came before us. So if I'm talking about my land, talking about the native indigenous people that were here before me and in thinking about, so one of the things like we visualize is visualize what it might've been like back then when they were tending to the land. And we talk about being stewards of the land instead of owning it by the town. They say, I own this land, but I'm just a steward of this land. I'm just on this land temporarily. And there'll be other people on this land next. And so this idea of thinking about what is it that people experience back on this land and also then thinking about the future of how are we leaving this land when we leave? for future generations and imagining what it might look like then. And so you're getting this appreciation of the land that you're on prior to actually stepping and starting. So part of it is like a walking meditation where you walk as slow as you can. And the best part of this whole training was we had this assignment. And I say assignment very loosely because this is just the most amazing assignment. And we had to go spend the day on land. We had six hours and it wasn't about getting anywhere a certain amount of miles or anything. And it was just about being on the land and doing sit spots, right? Journaling, walking, all that kind of thing. There were times where I took my shoes off and walked barefoot. I filled up at least three or four different journal pages. And I did probably about four or five different sit spots because every time I got kind of an insight when I was walking, I was like, oh, you know what? Let me sit down, do a sit spot and then journal about it. And I would write that insight down. And I realized so much about one of the things was my feet were hurting so badly after a certain point.
point and it was cold out. And so I was like, oh, well, my feet are cold. So that's why they hurt. And I was sitting there for a while being like, why are my feet hurting? What should I do? Do I put my shoes back on? Right. All those things that go through your head that you're like self overanalyzing. And I was staring at my feet the whole time. Like, oh, don't step on a rock. Don't step on roots. And I finally heard the message of look up. And I looked up and there was an amazing little bird in the tree. And I realized it was not just for that moment of looking up, but in terms of life looking up and it was very interesting because once I looked up, I stopped focusing on where I was stepping and my feet stopped turning. And those are the little things that happen where I'm just like, oh, that's what I need to know. That's what I need to focus on or be in that moment. And that experience, just being on the land for six hours, and I might have gone maybe two and a half miles, right? It's like, it was so slow and I was in it. I wasn't thinking about what other people were thinking about the fact that I was walking so slow and fox walking where you're like, really try to be as quiet as you can when you walk. All of those things, it's like they bring you back to a space where you're just completely relaxed relaxed and so present. It's interesting because it doesn't cost money. You don't have to give six hours of your time to do that. You give 15 minutes of time to just be outside for a moment, take a deep breath or look around or just watch. You could go down to the corner of your apartment and find a tree to hang out with. And I think that's why my podcast is called Save by Mother Earth. It really is saving me. It's bringing more in my life than I could ever imagine. And it's just like, I want to get that out for the world to say like, you don't need to be living in the country. You don't need to go and like move into the middle of the woods. You can get this every day by going to a park nearby or seeing the tree that you pass on like in the middle of the city or bringing plants inside, which are also going to clean your air and just make it feel better or being able to spend some time looking outside or just sitting on your patio. If you have like a rooftop deck just sitting out there right whatever you have to get access to it it's powerful and then it goes into like what we eat and all that right it all comes back of if we just focus on really getting back to where we came from if you get back to the true essence of who we are we're animals just like the creatures outside and we've just domesticated ourselves (laughs) yes yes we have (laughs) and it's afforded us probably longer lives and things like that but at what expense right and that's true yes we can live longer we can have more and i have to say i love technology i would be sad if i couldn't podcast because it wouldn't exist so yeah it's afforded us some amazing things we will keep technology but we will also make more connection not only with each other but yeah with the earth Yes. And so true. Like if you want to be connected to others, you have to be connected to yourself to have a full connection with somebody else. And so I think a lot of people experience these. I want to find that perfect person, either be a friend or a relationship or a job or whatever it is that they want the perfect thing but they don't even know what that is for themselves yet. So you're going to keep going through. I see it with clients all the time. They're like, I don't, I got a new job and I don't like it. And you're like, oh, but that's because you got another job and now you're still experiencing the same thing because you're still calling in the same thing. You need to call in something else. You have to like get to know yourself and what you really want and need. So you can call in that separate thing. So self-connection is so huge. And really listening to your intuition and insight because it's there and anybody can tap into it. Is there anything else that you would like to leave like as a tidbit or anything like that for our audience, whether it's about spirituality or their connection to nature? 
Sure. I would say, again, get outside. I mean, daily is ideal. And again, maybe it's five minutes one day, maybe it's an hour another day. And really take time to be in that space and allow yourself to, when I'm talking about like insight and intuition with clients, it's a lot about like allowing those messages to come in and not overanalyze them. Because a lot of times I know when I'm talking with them, they'll say, well, I got this message, but it might be just from my brain or it might be from my head or it might be intuition. And just like, let that come in and journal about it. So I'm a big proponent for journaling or sitting in meditation and meditation doesn't have to be cross-legged. It can be a walking meditation. It can be laying in your bed before you go to bed. It could be like writing down your dreams you had the night before in terms of picking up those insights. And so really thinking about tapping into that space where you can allow that to come in and just write it down. And if it sounds like it's something like you're worried about work, there still could be a message there. If you're thinking about, oh, I have to do this, 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 and this. And then all of a sudden you hear something like prioritize, right? And so that could be the message of what's most important in that thing that you were just writing. And so I think really just being open to this idea that these messages are coming in all the time, every day, all day. And they might be messages that are words and they're going to be in your own voice. And that's what I think is tricky because people are like, oh, well, if it's a spirit telling me something, it's going to be in their voice. And I think from what I hear from people who are psychics and things like that, the voices do start to change over time. But when you're talking about intuition, it's just your own voice. It's like you're talking to yourself inside your head. That's why I got dogs, actually, so I could talk to them and (laughs) not look like. I'm talking to myself, but really just, I think, take those messages in and allow yourself to dream. I think if nothing else, if we could just dream like you did as a kid and realize that anything's possible. My mom recently said to me, she said, Heather, you're living like the life that I want. And I really wish I could explore more. And I'm like, you can. She's like, yeah, but my knee's bothering me. I was like, you still can. And so I think just allow yourself to keep dreaming and not let yourself talk yourself out. There will be fear there, but acknowledging is it fear or is it your intuition saying, don't do it. And that's something that takes a little bit of time to balance that out to say, okay, this is fear, but I'm still excited about it. Or that gut feeling that says in your stomach, don't do that. It's not safe. There's a different feel you get from those two things of fear is usually there's some excitement around it too. And if you overcome it, you know, it's going to feel so great. We really are built to feel the fear and do it anyway. It's all over the human design charts. So (laughs) yep. Yeah, I love that. And just becoming discerning in what is fear, what is actual fear, and leaning into the excitement. Yes, for (laughs) sure. So if listeners want to find you, where are you on the internet? I am everywhere. So it's funny. I talk about being in nature, but I am everywhere on the internet. So I have the Save by Mother podcast. You can go to my website, www.heatherwebsterwellness.com, and you can access my podcast there, or you can just go on any of the platforms and type in Save by Mother Earth. And I also have Instagram with the handle at Heather Webster Wellness. And I have Facebook at Heather Webster Wellness. And I just started a YouTube channel. And That's, I think, Heather Webster Wellness as well. But if you go to my website, there is a tab there of important links. And if you go there, you can find all the links to all those things, plus some freebies that I have on tapping into your intuition. We'll make sure and have links for all that in the description. And what freebies is it that you have? 
So I have this 10 things you can do to help tap into your intuition. So it talks about everything from nutrition to movement, to meditation, to sleep, all of those things that kind of come into play, but there's like 10 essential things. So lovely. I like that. Everybody developing their intuition and practicing. It's a practice just like so many things. So I love that. And then you have card pulls that you do often in the different places. So I'll make sure and have that schedule in the description for everybody. Thank you so much for being here. This is great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. I think this was one of my favorite interviews so far. The conversation with Heather today just really brought back this connection to nature that I've honestly been missing and didn't know it. So I hope you found it inspirational too. And if you'd like to connect with Heather or take advantage of any of her Oracle polls, all of her information will be in the episode description below. Or you can head over to my website, madforpurple.com to access the show notes. Now for our takeaways. One, God, the universe, spirit, whatever your name is for the divine, it wants you to find happiness and joy. So allow yourself to dream. Two, it can be easier to tap into your intuition and receive insights while in nature because you're tapping into all of your senses. Three, allow those messages to come in without overanalyzing them. Four, if you can't get outside, explore ways that you can bring nature inside. And in that bringing it inside, how can you engage all of your senses? And lastly, you can experience the benefits of the outdoors with as little as 15 minutes a day, but even five minutes counts. Before letting you go today, I would like to just touch more on the idea of being a land steward versus a land owner, as well as contemplating what life might have been like on that land in the past. With that in mind, I'd like to encourage you to check out native-land.ca. Even though this is a Canadian site, it covers much of the world and will allow you to find out which Indigenous peoples steward or have stewarded the land in your area. For example, I reside within the traditional territory of the Denende, Beaver, and Michipigi. So I ask, how can we leave the land we live on in better shape than when we got here? If you'd like to support me in the show, please share this episode or head over to Apple and leave a review. Before you leave, don't forget to click that follow button on your podcast listening app so that you don't miss an episode. New episodes come out each Thursday, so be sure to tune in. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you then.